Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I'm going to get straight into uh, the word. Thank you, friends, tonight, because I do want to make sure that I leave time and room and space for us to pray and stand in faith with one another. Uh, Pastor Matt briefly mentioned that we got the, the uh, shocking news yesterday that one of our, our good church family members was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, a young dad with, with three children. And so, you know, I just felt, I just felt the lion of the tribe of Judah just rise up on the inside of me and just say, no, we're not having it. We're not taking it. Devil, you are not robbing our church family or this planet or three little babies and a beautiful wife of their father and husband. We're, no, 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 we're not gonna settle for that. Either we are a church that believes the whole Bible or we aren't, and I'm just telling you, we are. We are. We're not backing down. We're not playing nice when it comes to the devil. So I got this word, and I've, I've preached about who is one of my favorite kings in the Bible many, many times, but every time I read this particular story about this particular king, I get some new information, all right? So, so I'm coming at you hot. Is this microphone breaking up? Are you hearing me? Oh, good. Good. Wonderful. Um, so I'd love it if you would turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Chronicles. We're going to be reading about a king by the name of Hezekiah, and he was, he was a good king, mostly. There are a couple of situations at the end of his life that we don't need to jump into this evening. However, at the start of his reign, we see that he came into um, his kingdom, overseeing Judah, Israel, at a time, after a time where it had been ravaged through idolatry and very, very bad stewardship. And the Bible says that King Hezekiah cleansed the house of the Lord. They'd actually, prior to him coming into his kingliness, they'd used the church as a trash dump. It's where all the people would bring their trash. So it, it was a place of refuse. And so King Hezekiah got all the trash out of the church and then he restored temple worship and then he reinstated the observance of the Sabbath. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 31, just to give you a little snapshot of this king, chapter, uh, chapter number 31, verse 20, it says this, Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in commandment to seek his God, he did it with all his heart. Now, this is a good man. This is a good king. This is a virtuous man. So he prospered. How many people know that that's a wonderful word from the Lord that we're reading, but just because we may be doing everything right doesn't mean we don't live in a world where sometimes bad things can happen to really good people. And then just a few verses later, in 2 Chronicles 32 verse 1, we see this. 
after these deeds of faithfulness, after Hezekiah was faithful. Sennacherib, who was the evil king of Assyria, whose name literally is transcribed as Sin, came and entered Judah and he encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. Hang on a second. Is this the same King Hezekiah who was doing everything right and pleasing God and doing things that several kings before him didn't have the courage or the guts or the will or the gumption to do? And then just a couple of verses later, the enemy is coming in like a flood. So maybe today I can take some condemnation off you because maybe today you're experiencing the enemy coming in like a flood and you've been thinking, well, what the heck have I done? Maybe it's what, not what you've done but it, or, or what you're doing wrong, but what you've done right. Now, you, now, you'll have to be the discerner of that because perhaps for some of you, that isn't the story. But definitely in this case, we're talking about a righteous man who was living and breathing and fulfilling the word of God. And it truly shows this that just like in Revelation chapter number 12, verse 12, the Bible says, woe to you earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you. And he is full of fury because he knows his time is short. I wish it wasn't so. But while we're on this broken side of eternity, there will be battles that we face. There is an enemy who hates God and wants to stab in the heart and hurt God by hurting his children. So I just felt in my spiritual waters as I was preparing this message today that this was a timely word for many people. And maybe you're finding yourself where King Hezekiah is, where it feels like, God, I have done nothing wrong. I'm a tither, I'm a giver, I side hug people on the opposite sex, I do all the Christian things, I've got a fish sticker on my car. But, but the enemy has come in like a flood. Well, this is a message of encouragement for you today. And I felt to preach this very, very uh, strategically. First of all, through this, this passage of Scripture, through this chapter, I'm going to go through this, this chapter line by line. Get ready. All you people that pipe off about wanting us to go through Scriptures line by line, tonight is your night, baby. <laughs> so I want to talk to you first and foremost about the tactics of the enemy so you can be aware. It was Sun Tzu, the Chinese military strategist, warrior, who said, know thine enemy. When you know thine enemy, if you face a hundred battles, you will never know defeat. So many Christians, I don't want to talk about the devil, and I understand it's not pleasant, but we have to have an understanding of how he works. So when we see him working, we don't think, well, I don't know what's going on. We understand that this is the enemy coming in like a flood. So I'm going to break it down. I'm going to start at the beginning. The first tactic that the enemy uses, Sennacherib, the devil, when he comes in like a flood, is he uses intimidation and hopelessness. Look at this. Second Chronicles chapter number 32, starting in verse 13. Do you not know, this is Sennacherib speaking to King Hezekiah and the Judean people, do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of other lands? Were the gods of those nations, of those lands, in any way able to deliver their lands out of my hand? Look what he's saying. Look at the arrogance. Who was there among all the gods of all those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed? 
that could deliver his people from my hand. That your God, listen to that, that your God should be able to deliver you from my hand. It is the devil's intention to intimidate you so bad that you give up before the battle has even begun. And, and we're seeing it all across America. I was just in Washington, and, and God is doing something in Washington. It's, it's powerful. However, it was interesting, most of the churches that I went past had gay pride flags out the front. And I realized, I thought to myself, it's, it's not that they went into ministry thinking, I want to pervert the word of God. They faced this devil and this spirit of intimidation and hopelessness and didn't believe in a God who could truly transform and change a life. And so they said to themselves, well, if we can't beat him, join him. So we'll just say, come one, come all. And we'll allow a spirit to take ground and rub from people instead of standing against it. So he uses intimidation and then a feeling of hopelessness to get you put, to put down your sword and not engage in the fight. You know, at the very beginning, it's how Hitler took Austria. He didn't even have to use one flipping bullet. He just used these tactics. He wore them down. He psychologically wore them down through manipulation, intimidation, and then a feeling of hopelessness. Well, what's the point? Why should I believe God? Why should it go to awaken recovery? I'll always have this addiction. Or maybe you come from a lifestyle, they'll have told you this is always who you're going to be and you were born that way. And, and you've said to yourself, well, what's the point of even trying? What's the point of even denying my flesh? I've seen the statistics. Nothing will change. Or maybe you're in a situation where your health has been compromised and they're giving you a terminal illness. And you're facing this particular spirit. Maybe even tonight there are people in this room who have just been given a diagnosis like our friend in Boise who we're believing God for a complete and total miracle, by the way. Maybe that's you today. And that feeling of hopelessness has overcome you. That's how we know it's the enemy. It's not God. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. God has not given us a spirit of intimidation, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. When the enemy comes in like a flood, understand that he uses intimidation and hopelessness. The second thing, well, actually, I will say this. I'll say this. It's interesting that when, when Sennacherib speaks to Hezekiah and the people, that he doesn't just say, I'm going to get you and you can't beat me. He even refers back to his father. Even my father was a winner. We've been winning since the beginning. And that's how you know it's the devil. And you know what he is? He's a liar. He's a deceiver. Because from the beginning, in the very first book, within the first three chapters, we don't only see that he doesn't win, we see that he's defeated permanently and irreversibly. <laughs> It's a lie. It's a lie. So maybe today you're under the fog of war and you're being intimidated and you're starting to feel like it's hopeless and nothing's going to change. Well, that's why God sent the prophet of the Lord tonight to tell you that's the enemy. Don't you believe it? Don't you receive it? God has a plan for your rescue and for the enemy's defeat. 
Ask yourself this question, write it down, this is your homework. Where have you allowed the devil to intimidate you into handing over ground in your life? What ground have you handed over? And maybe you were like Austria and you handed it over without a fight. It's time to get that territory back. That is your terra firma, my friend. The second tactic of the enemy is to slander the leaders. He slanders God and he slanders the man of God. It's a tale as old as time. And he's still doing it right now. Why do you think we've all of a sudden got this big resurgence of exposés? One intent, to discredit and slander God and God's workers, God's servants. Now, of course, we have to have discernment, and it's, you know, certainly things have happened in the world that haven't been good. But let me tell you, by and large, most pastors, most Christian leaders are good people who love the Lord and want to help people. And we have to understand there is an insidious spirit out there that is trying to disparage and defile the reputation of God's servants. And we're not going to have it. We're not going to allow it here. We're not going to pander to it and go on an apology tour. No. We're not doing it. It's a tactic of the enemy. Look at this in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 15. Now, this is, this is Sennacherib again. Now, therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or persuade you like this, and do not believe him. For no God of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people from my hand or the hand of my fathers. How much less will your God deliver you from my hand? Furthermore, his servants, this is Sennacherib's servants, spoke against the Lord and against his servant Hezekiah. Well, was this written in 2023? (laughs) And they didn't leave it just to verbal slander. They put it in writing. They put out a mini-series. They took out some, some stuff on the front page of the Coronado Times. They wrote letters to revile the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations of other lands have not delivered their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not deliver his people from my hand. Oh my gosh, them fighting words right there. You can slander me all day long, but I tell you what, when you raise your hand and your voice against the King of kings and the Lord of lords, it's not going to go well for you. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. It's so funny. He accuses Hezekiah of being a deceiver and a manipulator. If that isn't the pot calling the flipping kettle black. And that's the thing about God haters. They project and try to put on other people what they are. So when they pipe off about our church and other Christian leaders around the world and they say, oh, they're just after your money, they're just this. And I'm like, oh, you're greedy. You're not generous. You got a Judas spirit. Oh, that Pastor Jürgen is just after your money. I don't know a more generous man than my husband. And you can take that to the bank. Oh, that Pastor Jürgen, Pastor Matt, they're just hype men. Have you read the gospel? Have you heard the good news? He should be hyped. In fact, I might question his calling if he wasn't hyped. On the top of his job description is be hyped about the gospel. It's the good news that takes someone from death to life, from brokenness to restoration. It's pretty awesome. 
awesome, you guys. Give the person next to you a punch on the arm. No, just kidding, just to... I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm pumped. Oh, that Jürgen is just a white nationalist. Um, to start with, have you seen him? He's one of the brownest people I have ever met. He could actually be on the cast of Jersey Shore. He is that brown. Tanning, but without the laundry. They tanned and they laundry. Yeah, I know. I, I guess you guys are all too young or too old. So, yeah. So, so he, he, writes these, he writes these letters. He, he starts this propaganda machine in order to discredit God and discredit the church. We've got to be smarter than the devil. We've, we've got to stop believing that trash. We, we've got to stop, you know, pandering to, oh, well, I just need to have a conversation with you about what a church down the road did and how it stopped me from wanting to be a Christian ever. That's stupid. It's the devil. And by the way, even those people that maybe do transgress God, at the end of the day, you didn't get, they didn't hang on the cross for you. Jesus did. <laughs> Jesus did. You're not saved unto a, a man or a, or a woman. You're saved unto the Lord. It is good. We're called to have discernment, but not to live with suspicion. And right now in this era, this, this foul demonic spirit of Sennacherib is cultivating a spirit of suspicion in the house of God. We, we have to be actively opposing it. First of all, discerning what it is and then actively opposing it. God, you're not going to have my faithfulness. I know who you are, and you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when I read the Bible, it says you're a healer. It says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. God will raise them up. And if you haven't changed your mind, then I haven't changed mine. I know who you are, no matter what devil in hell tries to disparage your character. Do you know who God is? All right. The third tactic of the enemy is we need to have the understanding that the devil knows how to speak our language. Look at this. In 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 18, we see a key that most people will miss if they don't really read and study this scripture. The Bible says that Sennacherib and his men, his servants, called out with a loud voice in Hebrew. These are Assyrian men. They didn't speak Hebrew, it wasn't their native tongue. However, they knew exactly what language and speech to use in order to get their message across. And you know what the agenda behind that was? He reveals it in there too. Everything's in there. <laughs> to frighten them and trouble them. If you're frightened, you're troubled today, Maybe the enemy has crafted a message specifically tailored for you to get you to believe something that goes against what God wants for you and your family. The devil knows how to speak your language. I, I have to be careful of it all the time. And during the COVID season, in, uh, starting in 2020, I, I'll never forget, I felt, I felt this voice. It was, it was tailor-made for Leanne Matesius. The devil was over there in his lab putting together the perfect little sentence, the perfect little phrase. I know how to get her. Does the devil know how to get you? 
And I, I remember so, so clearly, you know, I was standing my ground, we're opening the church, and then someone said, but you know, Leanne, that's not loving your neighbour. I thought, I thought you loved people, Leanne. I thought you cared about people. What, what, what if someone dies? And, I, and it was like the perfect tailor-made demonic message for me because I love people. I don't want to hurt anyone. I didn't go into ministry or become a pastor because I want to hurt people. On the contrary, I, I don't want to make people get sick and, and die. I, I, I don't, I, God, I, I don't want this. But then it was amazing how quickly I felt the enemy turn, but then the Holy Spirit come in and say, Leanne, that's not my voice. You know how I can tell? Because you're afraid and troubled. He said, I want you to listen to me. Listen to me. Trust me. Trust me. And he said, by the way, people are dying, but not of COVID, of suicide, of addiction, of loneliness and isolation. Open your church. When we succumb to the devil's tactics, and I really hope you wrote those down because they're going to help you in the future, we end up surrendering oftentimes before we have even invited God into the fight. Don't be like Austria. They gave up because they believed all the smoke and the mirrors and the deception and the lies and the slander and the propaganda. And so they gave up their ground without a fight. Where are you giving up your ground without a fight? Okay, we're going to move on to now, what should our response be? So when the enemy comes in like a flood, we, we, we've revealed his tactics, all right? Know thine enemy, check, all right? You wrote it down. Okay, so, so what do we do? Well, it's beautiful because Hezekiah gives us the perfect blueprint. Again, we're going to go line by line. Second Chronicles 32, 13 says, oh, sorry, wrong, 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 wrong scripture, all right? Let's do that again. Retake. Okay. <laughs> so what should our response be as Christians, as God's ambassadors in our society? Well, Hezekiah is going to show us. Number one, consult with your leaders. Look at this. Before you say that's a benign statement, just wait till I'm finished. Second Chronicles 32, 2 to 3. And when Hezekiah saw King Hezekiah, he's the boss man, saw that Sennacherib had come and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his leaders and commanders to stop the water from the springs which are outside of the city, and they helped him. He consulted with his leaders. Do you know why many people fall down and are defeated and vanquished in the times where the enemy comes in like a flood? Because they don't ask for help. It's that simple. They don't consult with their leaders. One of the saddest things, the saddest things for me as a pastor in church is that when we hear the news of defeat after they've been besieged and we hear the report of defeat, but they didn't invite us into the battle. It's like, what, what do you mean you're now getting divorced? What, where were you like six months ago coming into to, to a service and letting us know that you, you were in trouble, that the enemy were, was attacking your marriage? that things were not working for you financially, that you'd fallen off the wagon with your recovery or, 
or whatever it may be and you didn't tell us and now here you stand defeated, things could have been so much better than they've been. It's really simple, but I tell you what, it'll change your life if you apply it. Consult with your leaders. I remember being in uh, Dallas, Texas, speaking at a women's conference many, many years ago. I was still in my 30s, and I'm almost now 49. OMG. So um, I was at this women's conference, and they took me home, and I hadn't had anything to eat. And I obviously needed to eat. So the only thing that was open in the hotel was the bar area. And so I went into the bar and I sat down and I ordered a a cheese plate at the bar. And I called my husband and I said, I'm in the bar (laughs) having a cheese plate because I'm hungry. He's like, oh my gosh, babe, you're going to get hit on. (laughs) And, you know, I said said quite seriously to him, you know what? I better because (laughs) if I don't, I don't know whether my self-esteem could handle the blow. It's not like it's going to go anywhere, but, like, I would actually be like, wow, okay. So anyway, I was sitting there eating, waiting, and this this guy came up, and, uh, you know, uh, within minutes, I married three children, uh, four children, pasta, eating my cheese plate. If you want to stay past all that, go right ahead. And so we got to chatting, and he's like, you're a pastor. I'm a Christian. I'm like, well, good for you. And, and he said, yeah. He's like, I'm going through a pretty nasty divorce. Married a woman. And uh, she, she fooled me into thinking that she was a Christian. I'm like, I don't know whether girls are that tricky. I said, so, so you, go to, you go to church. So what happened when you went through Premarital counseling. What did they say? Knowing full well, there ain't no way he went to premarital counseling. He's like, oh, 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 um, um, I'm not sure if my church. I said, Are you sure? What's your pastor's name? Um, 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 um. And I'm like, You know what? Next time you go to church, you need to plant yourself in there and you need to not only get counsel, get consult from leaders, but you need to apply it when they're given to you. Because I said, If you had been in my church, and you went through premarital, and that girl was faking being a Christian, we would have snipped her out in no time. (laughs) Save you half your money and a whole lot of headache. (laughs) Consult with your leaders. The second thing that we should do when the enemy comes in like a flood is get ourselves battle ready. Look at this. In 2 Chronicles 32, verse 5, The Bible says that he, Hezekiah, strengthened himself, built up the wall that was broken. Time does not permit for me to go into the depths of what this means, but what areas in your life are vulnerable to the enemy sneaking in because they're not repaired? Then he raised it up to the towers nice and high, built another wall outside, and then, listen to this part, and he made weapons and shields in abundance. I want you to hear the word of the Lord today. I used to think, I used to think churches and pastors that don't preach the power of God, that don't arm people with the weapons of their warfare, that don't how to teach them how to pray in faith, that don't give them the revelation of the power of communion, that it is something that when we warfare with the blood of Jesus, we warfare with a weapon that does not know defeat, 
They don't know how to pray with faith. They don't know what God's intent and will is. And I used to think to myself, well, maybe that's just their preference. And we're a power of God church and we believe in the the full gospel, but that's just them. But now you know what? I feel like it's sin. It's wicked for them. They are robbing people of victory. And they've got people in their churches that need to know how, how to fight and who face very real and very tragic battles and you're not arming them? Our job at Awakened Church is to get you battle ready. We're going to get you baptized in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit. We're going to teach you how to cast out a demon. We're going to teach you, dads, how to take authority in your home and tell the devil, not today, devil, and not any day. We're going to teach you that the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. In the evil day, you do not have a choice if you want to decide if you're a power church or not. You know what Jesus said? Actually, this is brilliant. Listen to this. Matthew chapter number 25, when he comes back and he's sorting out some to his right and some to his left. And trust me, if you hear Jesus coming, run to the right. (laughs) Don't exit stage left. That's the bad side. So anyway... Here's what he says. It it blew my mind when I read it today. Do you know that these people aren't cast away into the pit and eternal torment because of what they do, but because of what they don't do? Oh, I tell you, that scares me. As a pastor, oh, you think because you smoked a little cigarette and you did this or that, God's going to... He's like, no, it's not about what you did. It's what you didn't do. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I came to your church and I had no idea about the armor of God. I didn't know that there was a shield of faith used to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. I didn't know that I had a sword of the spirit, a Bible that I could read, that I didn't need the pastor to go line by line in the church, that I could actually read my Bible at home for myself and the words on the inside of it, and the promises within it are promises that God has for my family. It's it's not just a preference. It's a necessity. And I will be judged as a pastor in the afterlife if I say, well, you just rock on with your naked self. It is my job as a minister of the gospel as as a shepherd over God's flock to clothe you with the power of God. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, you know that the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. He got them battle ready. He made shields and weapons in abundance. He taught them both attack and defense. This is the job of the church. This is our mandate at Awakened Church. This is your responsibility to engage and and believe and hear everything that God wants for you and for your family. One of King Saul's greatest failures as a king, and he had quite a few of them, was that the Bible says that in a time of warfare with the Philistines, that that swords could only be found in the hands of Saul and his son Jonathan. I got to back away from that statement. That's nepotism right there. So Saul, you and your baby are all right, but what about the rest of these blighters running around having to 
fashion a shank out of a kitchen utensil. How about we help them? So when the enemy comes in like a flood, they're not standing there with a spatula. They got the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. I'm telling you today, God has some power from on high. He wants to clothe you in. Don't walk around naked. God has clothing for you. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. There is no neutral ground in the spirit realm. Understand that. No neutral ground. So you think, well, maybe if I just don't engage in the power of God, I just want a nice little teaching message. And listen, I love teaching messages. I truly do. I, I love the book of Proverbs. I love the wisdom of God. But there is just sometimes that, that a, a proverb just won't do. You, you need an encounter with the power of God to shift something that cannot be shifted by human wisdom or human understanding. You need a touch from heaven. You know what happens when the church backs up from the power of God, from preaching about the power of God? Well, the devil steps in. It's not a void, neutral, empty space. The devil will step in with a counterfeit. And that's why, sadly, there are many Christians that go to churches that haven't allowed God to turn the power on. And those same Christians read their horoscope, go to clairvoyance, get their palms read, so on and so forth. Oh, trust me, if we step away, that space is not going to be neutral. The devil is all too eager to fill it with his lies. You know what Hitler, Adolf Hitler said? He said, to conquer a nation, we must first disarm their citizens. Now listen, I mean, that's a message for right now. New Mexico needs to hear that. I'm actually going to be there tomorrow, so I'm going to tell them. I go to Albuquerque, so I'm going to tell them that exact thing. Don't give up your guns, America. And it's not about guns. I, I don't care for them. I don't know how to shoot one. I have nothing against them. I think I've touched one gun in my life. But I think we should have them because of that reason. Because there's a nefarious intent behind their desire to take them off you. When they take your gun, they take your ground. It came from the pit of hell. And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to take away your weaponry. Not because he wants your weaponry, but because he wants your ground. <laughs> Amen, Leanne. All right, I'm going to ask the band to come on up. I think they're waiting for an appropriate moment. I don't know that there will be one. I'll drink to that. And as we come to a close, I, I want to just share these, these last two thoughts. What did Hezekiah do next? Let's see. Second Chronicles 32, verses 6 to 8. Then he set military captains over the people. And my gosh, I could preach on this forever. But there is a reason sometimes that you won't actually get a conversation with the actual pastor or senior pastor. And it's not because they don't care. It's because they do. Because if, if it all comes down to one man or one woman, then everybody's just going to get scraps. So, so if we arm pastors, leaders, connect group leaders, and, and they have our same spirit, guess what? You've got a better chance at victory than you would if you're all waiting in line for Pastor Jürgen to come down from the mountain. So that's just a little aside for people that may have a problem with the way that we do things here. 
Then he set military captains over the people, gathered them together to him in the open square of the city, and then he gave them encouragement. This is my favorite. This is the job of a Christian. This this is a job of a pastor. This is a, a job of a church leader. We live in a world that lacks so much courage. And you know what I've found in my conversations out and about? They want to believe, especially in America. Americans were born with like this innate believer chip. Aussies don't have it as much. It's a little harder. But there's something in the water. There's something in the spirit. There was something that was established at the very beginning when America chose God that is kind of alive and in the air. We, we can't win a battle against a very sophisticated Sennacherib devil enemy unless we're encouraged. And we learn to not only encourage ourselves, but we learn to encourage others. So I want to say at Awaken Church, let's become captains of encouragement. And these captains of encouragement went about to the Israeli people who were terrified and afraid and thinking that they were going to, you know, their lives were going to end and their children were going to be killed. And they said to them, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. And how many people know that Hezekiah is here not talking about numbers. He's talking about the fact that when we stand with God, we are always the majority. And then he goes on to say, with him is an arm of flesh and the best, most sophisticated, most bad arm of flesh in the natural is nothing compared to the hand of God. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us, is the Lord our God who will fight with us, who will stand with us. And then the Bible says that the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah. My gosh, if there was not a word for our times, it's this one. Do your words put strength in people or do they take them away? Mom and dad, put faith in your kids. Put faith in your family. Put faith in your spouse. When the enemy comes in like a blow, we don't need an inventory about how many people in the past this didn't work out for. I want a testimony of faith. And do you know why? Because I got a Bible full of them. And they're not there as some kind of history lesson. They're there for you and I to cite some precedent. Father, what you did then, my God, I thank you that you are doing it again. You put a baby in the barren womb of Hannah. I thank you, God, you're doing it again. God, you busted open an entire sea so your kids could walk over on dry land and escape the enemy. God, do it again. God, you delivered a man who had so many demons that they called him Legion. And you delivered him till he was seated and clothed in his right mind. Encouragement, encouragement, encouragement. Get the word of God in you and then spread it all around about you. That's how my mom got healed. I mean, she's the greatest inspiration. She should have been dead several times. Several. She's like a cat. (laughs) Like, you know the guy, Tom Hanks in The Green Mile? Like, he lived forever because he had this supernatural touch. He was like 405. 
hanging out with an old mouse because he'd had this, this supernatural encounter. And that's my mother. Do you know my mother encouraged herself in the Lord when the enemy came in like a flood? They said, you're gonna die. 44, your mother died of the same illness that you have and it's gonna take your life too. You know what? She went to a church where they didn't believe in the power of God, but thank God she's just like a slight, tiny bit rebellious. And she started reading Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, Believer's Voice of Victory on the side. Even though my dad, and he would be ashamed to say this now, but I'm gonna publicly out him, that he used to say, oh, they're just charlatans. They're charlatans. He's a snake oil salesman. I remember thinking, well, really? But mom was all the while compiling this big stack of Believer's Voice of Victory magazines and reading all the stories. She got miraculously healed. And she didn't get healed by reading all the things that could possibly go wrong with a woman with her condition. She, she got healed by stories of faith. I used to read them as a kid. They were amazing. I mean, like I remember reading one story, a guy literally died in bed one minute after kissing his wife goodnight. And then she prayed for him. And then five minutes later, he's up and breathing again. Like it, I mean, it was wild. It, like the stories, I'll never forget them. Like, oh my gosh, what are you reading? What are you filling your, filling your head with? What are you spreading? What are you sharing? My mom is still vibing with all things are possible. <laughs> yeah, like she is, it's, it's wild. She's such a hero of mine because she stood in faith against all odds when the enemy came in like a flood. They told her she'd be dead at 44. She's about to turn 75. They told her that, you know, well, obviously she'd never see her grandchildren wrong. And she's about to hold her first great grandbaby on her lap. And that baby is due on her birthday. How amazing is that? December 15th. It's like God just knows how to make it extra. He's like, I think I was just gonna just drop the mic. Oh, actually, I'm gonna drop several mics. And here's the amazing thing too, let me add to that, just to like tip us over the edge. So she started doing Pilates and <laughs> at 75, never done it before, didn't advance class. Us gray girls, we're known for our skinny legs, but not our flat abs. And so she put her back out on crunch one. And so they had to take her to emergency room and put her on some kind of heavy duty painkiller and do all these tests because she's a senior citizen. Anyway, she ended up being fine, just a sore back, never doing Pilates again. And the doctor said to her, oh my gosh, how old are you again? She said, 75, almost. And he goes, you have the heart of a teenager. You have the heart of a teenager. Her heart was meant to kill her at 44, and now she's got the heart of a teenager. Speak faith, speak faith. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us, with you, with me, with all of us, with Awakened Church, with San Diego, is the arm of God who stands with us. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah. I have preached too long, but it was all good. So I want you to stand to your feet. The final thing we're gonna do in the last few moments is we're gonna turn this church into a prayer meeting. Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. 
So right now, maybe you've got the enemy coming in like a flood and and I'm sure there are many stories where there's been diagnoses or, or some kind of label stuck on you or a situation you're facing, it seems impossible. Well, you're in the right place at the right time. At the very end of that story, the Bible says that King Hezekiah and Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah just happened to be there, got together and they prayed. And then the Lord sent one angel who struck down every mighty man of valor in the camp of Assyria and Sennacherib went back to his own town, defeated and shamefaced. What an ending. Oh my gosh. Isn't this the best message ever? God is so good. That's why we got to read our Bibles. But how amazing. One angel. It's like the prayers because the Bible says that wherever two or three are gathered to get to, together in my name and come into agreement under anything under heaven, it will be done for them. So the power of agreement, you think that men's and women's prayer is some kind of just like benign gathering. My gosh, it is a powerhouse. Because God is wanting to get agreement on your prayer because when two come together, my gosh, look out, look out. So these two men, Hezekiah and Isaiah, get together. And then God's like, you know what? You know what this is going to take? One angel. Gabriel's like, should we send legions of angels, your majesty? He's like, no, just send one. One will do. And then it's a flipping slaughter. And then the one that did get away went back to his own land, shamefaced. And the Bible says that his own offspring killed him by the sword there. He wasn't the one that got away. How beautiful is this story? So let's stand in faith now. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now. And I, I want you to think, I want you to think about it, what it is and that you're believing for. And you might say, well, well, it seems impossible. Like that story wasn't impossible. Are you kidding me? There was a divine intervention, a supernatural intervention that took place when Isaiah and Hezekiah came together in prayer. God intervened. Father, I thank you right now for a spirit of faith to rise in this place. We come against the devil in the name of Jesus. Satan, Sennacherib, we bind you in the name of Jesus. Get out of their lives, get out of their marriages, get out of their relationships, get off their health, get out of their house, get your filthy hands off their children, out of their minds in the name of Jesus. Father God, right now, we release angels to fight for them just as you did for Hezekiah. Do it for them. And right now, I see sons and daughters away from God. And you've even said to yourself, gosh, it feels hopeless, like it'll never change. Uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. God is sending angels. We're believing and confessing that all your children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. If you have a serious medical condition that you've been diagnosed of, on, come to the front. Run, run, run. Run, run, run. Run. The power of God is here to heal. And the power of God was present to heal all who were sick. I want you to line up. I want you to line up. And I want you to come strong. And I want you to come in faith. All things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. Praise God. Come, come. All things are possible.
possible. I want every woman who has been told that she cannot conceive or has had miscarriages, I want you to run to the front. I want you to run to the front. I want every person who is pregnant and may have had a negative diagnosis spoken over them and over their child. That was my story. But God, but God, but God. All things are possible. All things are possible to those who believe. I'd love it if the leaders would come, but I want you to lift your hands. We're not looking to, to a man. We're looking to the God of heaven. I don't have a promise for you, but God has a promise for you. He's got an entire book of promises for you. Which one do you need to add your amen to today? Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. We release healing to all who are sick. We bind the spirit of affirmity and affliction this day in Jesus' mighty name. We command cancer. We command blood conditions. We command every sickness to flee in Jesus' name. We release the healing power of God. Father, for all who have been told they will not conceive, we reverse that right now. And we say that you will be a fruitful vine. We rebuke the devourer in the name of Jesus. And you will not drop your fruit before it is ripe. We bind miscarriages in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, Father, I thank you for peace. I thank you for your peace, Lord. I thank you for your peace right now in the name of Jesus that surpasses all understanding. Father, I thank you right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Beautiful. And for those of you in your seats, just cry out to God. Maybe you have a friend or a loved one who needs to hear this message. Pass it on, preach it, make it your own. Get on the phone, believe God with them, pray with them. My mom used to be part of a prayer chain in her church. And when someone was sick, they would have a prayer chain and each woman would call a group of women and they would all pray together. I feel like we need to get the prayer chain back. We gotta get the prayer chain back because I just know that God wants to do something miraculous and powerful in our time. And we gotta stop being Austria. We gotta stop conceding ground without a fight. God wants to show us His glory, my friends. He wants to show us His glory. He wants to show you His glory in your family, with your children, with that marital situation that is causing you great distress. Just ask Him tonight when you go home. God, show us your glory, just like you did for Hezekiah, just like you delivered him. Father, deliver me, save me, rescue me. Send angels to warfare on my behalf. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Beautiful. Rick, I wanna pray for you. Is Michelle here? It's all right, you can take this home, she's amazing. Lift your hands to the Lord. Lift your hands to the Lord, come forward. You're called to have a power ministry. It's not either or, it's both, it's both. There's a king and a priest on the inside of you, a king and a priest. But not only that, they're going to, there's a king and a priest, but the priest side is gonna have two very distinct parts. So there's gonna be a power ministry where you lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. You're gonna, in this next season, in this next few months, actually with, with Mike Connell's coming, there's gonna be a mantle that rests on you for deliverance and, and God's gonna unveil that because we have need of that. More than, more than ever before. 
But on the other side of the priest side is this, you're an incredible strategist. And this I know to be true because I've seen it with my own eyes, but I feel the Lord wanting to, to underscore it. So it's not just a power minister, but also a, a military strategist for the kingdom. And then over in this hand, you know, God's gonna put your hands to some incredible things in the marketplace that are actually going to fund this. So, so this is going to relieve financial stress from this. And the Lord has anointed not just you, but your beautiful bride, Michelle, as well. So get ready. A page is turning. I just see that page is turning and it's gonna be X marks the spot. God, what am I, a king or a priest? You're both. You're both. And the priest has two parts. I love you. I wanna pray for you guys. Yes. Incredible. Lift your hands. Vitamin stores, muscles, gym people. My gosh, you're wearing the hero shirt. You're heroes in the kingdom. Because when God called, you answered. The Bible says, when you hear the Lord calling, do not harden your heart. And the Lord loves the both of you for the softness of your heart. And there are times you've even said to yourself, I, I wish it kind of wasn't so soft. And there's a dual side to someone who has a beautiful sensitivity. They're aware, they're awake. But the other side is you can feel pain deeply, especially people pain. But, but I see the Lord just wanting me to tell you He's equipped you. He's equipped you for this. It's not bigger than you. You won't be over, overwhelmed. When we walk through the fire, we will not be burned. When we walk through the flood, we will not drown because God's sitting on the flood. And because you're holding on to Him, I just hear the Lord say, just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. God's smiling. He's not worried. He's not worried one single bit. He's completely at peace. He's seated and He's smiling. Your future is so bright. Oh my gosh. And if I told you all the twists and turns, they will be revealed along the way and they're delightful. It may even scare you a little bit in all the best ways. So we'll save it for another prophecy. But I just wanted to let you know that God is with you. God is with you and He's in this. He's not apart from this. He's in this. He's carrying you. He's got you. Your future is tight and that, that beautiful heart that He's put on the inside of you was not put there, not something that just needs to be manned up. No, God put it there. That's, that's how we divinely designed you because He has need of it in this era. Father, I thank You for them. Bless them, Lord. And I rebuke the devourer in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the devourer. Yes, we stand on that word. As the enemy comes in like a flood, Father, I thank you that they will experience a Hezekiah-sized miracle and deliverance story in Jesus' mighty name. I want to play for Pastor Matt and Michaela as we close today. Well, actually, I'm going to stay here. I want you guys to stand there and lift your hands. Stretch out your hands to your pastors. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. God is so pleased with your faithfulness. The Lord is well pleased with your faithfulness. The ability to take an arrow and instead of staring at it and lamenting, pulling it out straight away and literally giving it to the Lord as an offering. You gave it to the Lord as an offering. Kind of like Job, who you quoted today. 
Even if he slays me, yet shall I trust him. And God is pleased with your faithfulness and get ready for one of many more divine moments where God sends people who have had an agenda and who have spoken lies and who have spoken threats and who have spoken slander and who have written letters. Get ready for those things to be reversed. Get ready for those things to be reversed. Get ready. Get ready. And in your head, you may say, well, God, how, how is that going to happen? And I hear the Lord saying, the how belongs to me. Just trust me. The how belongs to me. But the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And to echo the word I had for the beautiful couple from Bressy down the end, God is not stressed. He's at peace and He's smiling. And His word to the both of you is well done, good and faithful servants. <laughs> you pass the faithfulness test. You pass. It's a test. Every test can be passed. And you flip and nailed it. 10 out of 10. And just wait. Because what happens after you pass the test? You graduate. You get promoted. Beautiful. God bless them. Bless their family. We, we bind every demonic spirit that would try to trouble them. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you love the Hubbards. We love the Hubbards. We love their children. We love their family. We call them blessed today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, you guys, if you heard a word tonight that you wanted, I want you to take it. Make it yours. That's the thing about prophetic words. You can grab them out of the air. Apply them to your own lives. I just love you. Don't let this be a moment that doesn't go on in your own family and your own life. Go home, read the story, and let's believe God. Let's believe God for a supersized miracle in our time. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.